We are learning Daf Samach Beis. We're starting from the very bottom Samach Aleph Amid Beis, where the Gemara says, We talked about it where a person says specifically, I'm waiting until my nether, not to drink wine, is until the harvest, which as we clarified, Kayetz means the fig harvest. Here's Kayetz implies that you're picking it by hand. So if you said it's, in, it's, it's until it passes, until it's over, so the way that you know the harvest is over is when the muxos, those knives that they use to break apart the, the, the figs, when they are stored away. So Tana, it says in Friday, most people's uh, knives are stored away. So in other words, what happens is, let's say you finish your, you finish your personal harvest. And uh, hey, I made the nether and I finished my harvest, which we mutter it. And the Gemara is saying that's not that way. The price is teaching that you have to go bust a robe of the city only when most of the people have completed the harvest. They've moved, they've stored away their knives. Only at that point does it become mutter. So now we learn, continuing a bit of a tangent here. Tana says in Friday, what happens when most of these knives that trim the figs have been folded away? Mutars, which from Gezel. At this point, any figs that are still left in the field, there's no isser of Gezel on them. It's very interesting. There's a yish, there's like a certain hefker, an assumption that at this point, anyone has already dealt with bringing in their figs. So if, it, if, it's, if it's reached a time where most of the people in the city have brought in their, their, their knives and that's it, so if you go into somebody's field and you happen to randomly find some figs, if there's no isser of Gezel, you could assume that the person um, has been the Aish on it. And even though we said it's only rope, but when you're there, you assume that this field is from the majority and therefore you could take it. Upturus mena maestros. They're also potter from maestros. Shrimas and maestros are only taken off from things which are owned. Something which is ownerless, you don't have to take off shrimas and maestros. So again, since the idea is that it's hafker, so there's no chiv shrimas and maestros from it. Says the Gemara story, Rebbe, Rebbe, Yosef, Rebbe, Yudah, Ikluhu, Asra, Rebbe, and Rabbi Yossi Bar Yehuda went to a place. It was not strictly Rav Moksalos at such a time when most of the knives were already put away. Rabbi Abba so Rabbi ate the figs that were left in the field. Rabbi Yossi Bar Yehuda was not eating. It sounds like he was Choshesh, that maybe the person who owned the field was from the minority who hadn't yet finished. So also Marhun, the owner of the figs, came out. He observed the rabbis eating his figs. He said, Am I Why are the Rabbana not eating? In other words, I guess he caught them in, in a second when they weren't, Rebbe wasn't putting in his mouth. So he says, how come you guys aren't eating? It's at the time most of the knives have been put away. So, so it sounds like he, 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 he's acquiescing to what Rebbe was saying. He's saying, yeah, hey, look, at this point, the, the season's over and, and it's Hefker. However, the Gemara says, nonetheless, even after the owner said that, maybe the person was saying it out of hatred. Meaning, he said it in a hostile way, not in a friendly way. He was saying to say, like, you've already decided that, 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 that I'm from the row? You know, like he was saying it a bit rhetorically, perhaps. He was saying, how do you know that my fig harvest is over just because most people in towns is, therefore you're assuming that you could take my stuff? Maybe not. So even once he said it, Rabbi Yusuf Yudha wasn't convinced in the language that he was saying it graciously, and that's why he wasn't eating. Says the Gemara, Rabbi Chamer, Rabbi Chanina, came to a place. Not sure the Rabbi the same thing when the most of the knives were put away. He was eating in the figs. He gave it to his shamish, his, his attendant. Lo achol, the shamish wasn't eating. So Amalei, Rabbi Chamer said, Echol eat. This is what Rabbi Shmuel Bar Yosi told me in the name of his father. We have this tradition that once the most most of the knives have been folded away, so the figs left in the field are motor. There's no isra of stealing. And they're not, they're not shy to the din of Trimas and Maisers. Another story of Tarfon, there was a person who found Tarfon who was eating figs in his field at a time when most of the knives had been folded away. So meaning, someone owned a field, and he happens to be, that it sounds like he really 
didn't want people to be eating his figs yet. He was probably he was pro- he was planning on going and taking the rest. He's from the minority, but where he finds Reb Tarfon, the holy Reb Tarfon, the great town of Reb Tarfon, in his field eating his figs. So Achli Basak Vashakli put Reb Tarfon in a sack, like he wraps him up, you know, like Mamish puts him in a body bag here. He takes him. Amtul Mishra Nahari wants to drown him in the river. He was so enraged that he he thought he found a thief eating his figs, that he wanted to kill him. So he didn't evidently recognize that the person was Reb Tarfin. He didn't know. So Amalur Reb Tarfin said, Oi lo le Tarfin shesahargo. Woe to Tarfin because I'm getting killed. So all Reb Tarfin did was disclose his name. He said, basically, I'm Reb Tarfin. Shama Hugaba, the person heard what Reb Tarfin said, and he realizes who he's taking and trying to kill. He's trying to kill the greatest rabbi in town. Shavki Varek, he left him and he ran away. So... Reb Tarfon Pasha saved his own life by just simply saying that he was Reb Tarfon. So the Gemara says, "Amar b'avomish from Chanan v'Gamliel, Kol Yom Shosu Tzadu Kol Yimitzar Davazet." Reb Tarfon, for the rest of his life, he was actually bothered by what happened. He didn't, he didn't feel right with what occurred. Amar, he said, "Oyli shin shdam shi bekisher shotar." Woe to me because I used the crown of Torah. Meaning, the idea is that there was a um, there's a certain glory that the, the crown of Torah affords a person for being a Chacham. But a person shouldn't be mishdamish with it. You shouldn't, you know, take, use it for your personal benefit. So what happened was, and we're going to see this a little bit in the run, <clears throat> that even after Reb Tarfon disclosed the identity, it seems basically that he still thought Reb Tarfon was wrong. But out of the great covet of, the, you know, this is the greatest rabbi in town, he's not going to do anything to him. So even if he's wrong, he's like, you, know, you don't murder the rabbi. Yeah, you don't murder the greatest rabbi in the town. So Reb Tarfon felt that that was using the, the honor of Torah for personal benefit. Someone who uses the crown of Torah for personal benefit, he's uprooted from the world. We learn Kavachomer. Belshazzar, we know, is a little bit before the Purim story. So he's a Persian king, and he is uh, in that transition between Babel, Babel to, to, to Paras, and uh, he's the father in law of Achashver. So this is a bit of a preface to Purim. He took out the Kalim of the base of Mikdash. And he used them at his meal when he was saying, hey, there's not going to be any more based on Megdash we were built. And then that night, there was a handwriting on the wall that came and said, you know, he was going to die. So Belshazzar was using the holy vessels. After the truth is, they had already lost their sanctity. The Gemara is going to show us that once the basic mission was destroyed, the Imam lost their sanctity. But even when he used it, he got punished. And the Gemara first tells you how we know that the Kalim lost their sanctity. It says that when bad people come into the base of Mikdash, they're mechalalit, they profane it, which means kivin shaparzim, once, once the goyim take the, the vessels, once they break the base of Mikdash, nasu chol, the Kalim lose their sanctity. It's a fascinating thing. It's like normally things in Kedusha are eternal forever, right? That you, don't, you can't lose Kedusha generally. But there is a way for the Kalim of the base of Mikdash to lose their Kedusha. Once the goyim come in and make use of it, they, 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 and then that's it. They lose their sanctity. We'll talk about this in a little bit by the Yavadim as well. The Gemara, the Gemara, it's good to learn that Hanukkah. The Gemara talks about that in Havodah Zarah, how a lot of things happened when the Greeks came into the Beis HaMikdash. How the, the parts of Chomos Megdalai, the Pirzas, the, the Gemara is describing here, that it actually profaned what the Beis HaMikdash was. Al-Kopanim, one of those shots are profaned the Kalim of the Beis HaMikdash. Nekram and Olam, he was uprooted from the world, he was destroyed. Yechsev, Beib, Leila, Kato, Boshatzar. And that night, Boshatzar was killed. Which is a pasuk in Daniel, the very night, like instant death. You know, he used the kalim of the mikdash. That's it. You die in the spot. I'm established with this. And then someone who makes use of the crown of Torah when it's very much alive. 
Torah doesn't lose its sanctity. Allah has come, then all much more so, you deserve to be punished for using the crown of Torah because the crown of Torah is alive. So the Kabbalah of the Gemara is, Ma, if you're using something which just is, has passed, think that you get uprooted from the world for using it. So Kabbalah if you're using something which whose Kedusha is alive and kicking, then, then, then you get punishment. Says the Gemara, Tavern, even the Ka'achal look with Roman Saul, so if Tafin was eating the figs at the time where most of the knives had already been put away, meaning he's eating it when the harvest is over. Why was the person so upset? Meaning, the Gemara is asking, wouldn't the owner of the field understand it? I mean, maybe if, even if he was from the minority, doesn't he understand how, it, how someone could come in? It's not like someone's coming in and blatantly stealing. So the Gemara answers, no, there was someone who was stealing grapes the whole year from this guy. So this isn't just the first time he finds that he's missing some figs. There had been a history here. Someone was stealing grapes the whole year. Now when he finds Reb Tarfin eating the figs, he thought Reb Tarfin was the one who had stolen everything. So he was trying to punish Reb Tarfin, not really for just taking the figs, but to punish Reb Tarfin for taking what he assumed Reb Tarfin had taken the whole year. So the guy just had a mistake. Why did Reb Tarfin feel bad about it? If, if Reb Tavrin would have done something that he really would have been guilty of in a certain regard, and he saved himself because of the honor of Torah, that's using the, the crown of Torah for personal benefit. But here, Tavrin did nothing at all. The guy was so upset at him because he made a mistake and sided that Reb Tavrin was the Ghan of the whole year. Tavrin didn't do anything wrong. So why did Reb Tavrin feel bad that he revealed his identity? Because besides for being a big Tamachachim, Reb Tavrin was already very rich. He could have given money to the owner. So in other words, he, he could have paid for the stolen grapes, even though it wasn't right. If he could afford to pay, he should have done so, even though it was unjust, unjustified, as opposed to relying on, 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 on the covet of the, of, the, of the Torah. That's a very interesting thing. Someone mamish accuses you falsely and has a claim against you. And you can settle in one of two ways, either with paying, and it does not have a big deal because you're very rich, or you could use the crown of Torah. The Gemara is saying what Tavon felt, he should have just paid it off. And that's why he felt bad, even though it was totally unjust. Says the Gemara, Tanya, the Pasuk says, but I meant to love Hashem, listen to his voice, and to cling to him. So what's the Pasuk saying? Shalom, Adam, a person should not say, Ekra, you know why I should read Psukim? Then I'll benefit that people will call me a big scholar. Eshna, I'll learn the Mishnah, Shikruni Rebbe, they'll call me a rabbi. Ashanin, let me teach the Gemara, she has Zakin. When I'm old, I'll be appointed as the Rosh Hashiva. In other words, a person shouldn't be learning for those motives. Study out of love. And then eventually the honor comes, meaning the honor is not what we're supposed to be driven by. We're driven by the love of God. Tie the words of the Torah to your fingers. Write them right on the luach, on the tablet of your heart. So this idea that we're saying is that um, it should be so fluid, fluent, we should be so clear on the Torah. It should be as if they're tied around uh, our fingers. And it seems that the Gemara is saying that, that that only can happen for someone who really cares about the Torah itself, not just for the honor. For Omar, another point, the ways of the Torah are pleasant. So it seems, again, that you know, there's a, there, there, there do come, you don't suffer from learning Torah, but the point of it is to love God. Says the Gemara, We do what the Torah says for the sake of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who made the Torah. That's what we do it. Speak in Torah, learn it for their own sake, for the sake of the Torah. Don't make them into a crown and, and get glory from the Torah. Don't make it into a hammer to go, or like more like a, actually more like a plow, like a, a shovel to dig with. 
Kabachomer, and this is a Kabachomer, Mabashasar Shabash, the Klikosh, and Asmachal again, Bashatar, only used the Klikodesh after they already became uh, lost their sanctity. Nonetheless, Nakam and Olam, he was a prudent in the world. So someone uses the Torah for his gain, how much more so that he deserves a severe punishment. Says the Gemara, If you go to a place where they don't know who you are, it's mutter to reveal that you're a Tamachacham. In other words, if there are certain rights that a person has by law, for example, like, you know, we know we give a Koranim and Levim, like, but there are certain gifts that are given to Tamil Chachamim as well. So, or there could be harm. And a person can get out of the harm if he just reveals that he's a Hamachacham. So if it's in a place that they don't know who you are, then it's permitted for them him to reveal his identity. And, and the Mar brings a ride. He says, you know, I'm a, I'm a big, I'm a, I'm a Yari Hashem. I feared Hashem since I was a little kid. So the Gemara says, didn't we just say with Reb Tarfan that he shouldn't have done that? That's all Reb Tarfan did. He revealed he was who he was. He didn't do anything more than that. So the Gemara explains again that Reb Tarfan regretted not just that he revealed himself, but to Ashri Reb Tarfan was very wealthy. He regretted not paying the person off, not appeasing him, uh, appeasing the owner of the field with money. That's, that was his issue. He felt that if he had an alternative way to, to save himself, then he should have done that as opposed to saying, hey, I'm Reb Tarfan. All right, so bottom line is we're saying that there is a way for a person to reveal his identity permissibly. We're at the bottom of Samach Pez, Amir Al. Rava Rami. Rava has a stira between two psukim. Here we have Ovadia telling Galio, I'm, I'm one who fears God. It's mutter to reveal your own identity and say how good you are. Another Pasuk says, only a stranger should praise you. Don't, don't praise yourself. So we have a conflict, you know, is it good to, to disclose who you are and explain, explain that you're, you're, you're Hashem or not? So the Gemara explains how the you delay. The second possible not to praise yourself, that's where you are known. If people know who you are, don't talk about yourself. But if you're in a foreign place, nobody knows you, so then it's mutter for you to say, you know, who you are. That's allowed. Says the Gemara Marava, it's permitted for a Torah scholar to tell the judge, I'm a Torah scholar, truly Tigre Deal with my dispute first. What the Gemara is talking about is that if there are multiple court cases, so a Tamachacham has the right to go first. Very similar to a Kohen who goes first, as the Gemara will tell us in a second. So if somebody, the judge doesn't realize that one of the litigants in front of him is a, is a Tamachacham, so the Tamachacham is permitted to tell the judge. And where do we see this idea? B'nai David Kohanim, it says that the children of David were Kohanim. Now, obviously, they weren't Kohanim literally, right? David, David is from Yehuda. So what does it mean that they're Kohanim? So it means, Just as a Kohen takes a first, the first portion, a Torah scholar has the right to take it first. This is the idea. How do we know a Kohen gets the right first? You should make the Kohen holy. He offers the Karbanos. So what does it mean you make the Kohen holy? It means every matter in which um, you give a Kohen precedence shows that he's Kadosh. Very interesting. You would say, means, oh, you know, you send him up to give this year. That's not what it means. It means by you, by you giving him pre- preference and, and going first in all areas of life, you're creating him into a holier thing. The Gemara gives on the, on the Ahmed Beis, the Torah Rishon, he gets the first Aliyah and Shul, the Varech Rishon, he leads the benching first, for lead Domani of a Rishon, he also gets the first portions first. So the same thing applies now, we're saying, not only to Kohanim, but to Torah scholars. So a Torah scholar, that's what the Pasuk is saying, that the B'nai David were Kohanim, they weren't literally Kohanim, but they have certain rights of, 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 of precedent to go first, um, and that, that's what the Pasuk is referring to, and you could tell the judge that you are a Tamachach.
says the Gemara Marava, we're talking about, you know, basically more exceptions when a Tamachacham is a lot of benefit from the being a Tamachacham. Torah scholar can say, since I'm a scholar, I'm not going to give any money for the tax. It says that no one would impose on the Torah scholar, so just understand, the Pasuk is talking about here in Ezra, it's talking about when Koresh, the Koresh, who was the, the Persian king at the time, so he's allowing the, 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 the Jews to come back to Israel to rebuild the temple, so on and so forth. But he's saying that the, the Torah scholars don't have to give the taxes. And, and, and the Gemara goes through these different terms. Minah is the king's portion. Head tax which is some sort of um, way that they would pay for the king's like meals. So anyways, all the taxes, the clergy were exempt from. So that's basically you know, a source for some sort of, uh, I don't know, parsonage, you want to call it. You know, the original Makar of parsonage is like from here where, where there are tax benefits to being in the clergy. And what the Gemara is saying is that, that, that's not a problem. That's not a problem for Talmud Chachov to claim that. You know, so one of the famous verses, I think, from the Psalms of this week's parasha, parasha by Yigash, I think it's from Yaakov Kamenetsky, he says that, 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 that Yosef, it says, even though he was, um, all, everyone was slaves, they all owed so much money to him, the whole land of Mitzrayim, he fed them all. And they all really became enslaved to him at the end because they couldn't afford to repay him. But it says he didn't impose anything on the clergy. Yosef respected that the Egypt... What? Right. He didn't, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't make the... He respected the Egyptian clergy. And you think about clergy, I mean, they're of the Zara, of Hule, right? Yosef respected that, which is a fascinating respect. Right? Like, what, what is that? I mean, it's like, you know, we don't think anything of priests, do we? Rabbi Yaakov said, very interesting, that, that, that Mida Kenegin Mida, that Yosef treated their clergy... That's why there was a clergy exemption for Shevet Levi that they didn't have to work in Mitzrayim. And that exemption that they, anyone who wanted to dedicate themselves to God didn't have to work in Mitzrayim, it was instilled in the culture of the land that Yosef had done that, which is a fascinating thing here. It seems like it was uh, here in the Gemara again, that that's, that's ubiquitous. That, that, that's not something, oh, a tam chacham, you know, the benefit of tam. That's a natural thing that the clergy is exempt. Says the Gemara, here's a big chedish. A Torah scholar can say that he is a priest, that he's from the from the, someone who uh, worships the fire. Therefore, I'm not going to give money for the tax. So basically, the, the servants of these priests were exempt from paying the taxes. And uh, he, he, a person can basically lie and say and, and, and pretend that he that he's from those, those those people, even though he's not. My time it was the reason. Because he's just trying to chase away the line for himself. In other words, he's avoiding paying taxes. He's evading taxes. So therefore, normally, you're not allowed to identify yourself as an Oved Avodah That's something that normally we don't do. Because normally, you're meant to deny Avodah That's the perspective that we have. But to exempt yourself from taxes, then you're allowed to say that you're doing such a thing. And, 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 and the reason is, is that normally we say you can't be good if das, you can't steal, you can't lie, these things. But since you're doing it in the context of evading taxes, everyone understands that you're not embracing, you're not saying, oh, I respect the idolatry. You're just trying to get out of the taxes. That's the idea. Now, the Ran says that this is not unique for a Tamachacham. Anyone is allowed to do this. The Chiddush here is, is that you would have said, made a Tamachacham to do it, maybe it will create a greater Chil Hashem Shemaim. It will be a desecration of Hashem's name. And we're answering that, no, even for a Tamachacham, he's allowed to do it. It's not desecrating Hashem's name because everyone who hears it will understand it's not really true. Of course, the Tamachacham doesn't do that. It's just that he's saying it in order to evade the tax. It's a very difficult concept. Says the Gemara Ravashi, had a forest. A lot of trees that he sold to a local sort of church that were uh, dedicated to the fire. In other words, they, 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 they serve fire. 
especially in, in, in Bavel. That's actually, by the way, the, the source of oscillating Hanukkah menorahs inside comes from that. Not so much like anti-Semitism per se, but as much as the Jews lived in the culture of, of, of people who worship fire. You know, offering him dangerous with this. So anyways, Robin had a lot of wood, so he sold the wood to this church. Lifnei means that what? You can't help people sin, right? So Goyim are also have the din of idolatry. You're not allowed to, they're not, you're not allowed to enable them to sin. So they're going to use the wood, presumably, for the church. So when you sell it to them, you're helping them. You're assisting them in, in their sin. So Amalei Ravashi answered, Most wood is given for fuel, meaning not for Avodah Zarah. So you use it in your home. You cook, you heat your home. It's not used for Avodah Zarah. So therefore, when, it, when they buy it, any purchase that comes, you assume that it's from the majority, and the majority is that it won't be used for, for the, exactly the this, this service itself. We only say it's lifting either when it's, when it's direct. It's, it's, it's clear that it's going to be, that such a thing will going to happen. Now, there's a famous problem here, is that the Gemara says that lifting either lo sit and is only when the person can't sin without you. If the person has, if the product is available without you, then that's not lifting either lo sit and So if you're trying to explain that, you're right, it's not really lifting either. It just means that a Durabanan of assisting people who are sitting. It's always very important when these issues come up in life. Are you dealing with the Daraisal of Naiva or are you dealing with the Durabanan of, 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 of assisting and supporting sin? So in this context, the Gemara says of Naiva, many of you shouldn't say it actually doesn't mean that. It means just this general, general assistance because to be over on Lif Naiva, it has to be like very technical. The person would not have been able to get that product without you. Like the Gemara says in Nazir, you have wine. So if there's wine available in the market, then that's not Lif Naiva if you give him the wine. But if there's no other wine, and you give him wine, that's left neighbor. And here the Gemara is still saying that bottom line is, if you can follow the road, you don't necessarily know what he's going to do with it, then it's okay. All right. Says the Mishnah, Ada Katsir, we mentioned yesterday, somebody says until the harvest. So Katsir means the green harvest. So which green? That you're not allowed to drink the wine until most people begin the wheat harvest. In other words, we're assuming that Katsir... Is a reference to the wheat harvest. So look here, so and we don't mean the barley harvest. The barley harvest usually take place later. The reason basically is here is that wheat was more significant to people than barley. So if we assume somebody's saying the harvest, we'll assume that they're referring to the wheat harvest, not the barley harvest. Then the mission qualifies. Everything is according to the place. The language always follows the place where it was said. So if there is a place where barley is significant, and when people say the harvest, they're referring to the barley, so then the nether have to wait until the barley harvest. Continues the mission. Bahar. Let's say a person was in the mountain. Then Bahar, the nether is enforced until the mount, until the mountain region begins the harvest. And it used to be different. Sometimes in the in the mountain, the harvest would begin later than in the valley. It seems like. So therefore, if a person was saying it there, so then it depends on the time when the when the when the uh, harvest begins in the in the mountain. Bahar, if he was in the valley, Bahar, then it's until the time of the harvest in the valley. Let's say a person says nether. I'm not going to drink wine until the rain. Or he says, until it is the rains. This is also until the second rainfall. So just understand this a little bit. So in Eretz Yisrael, we know the rainy season takes place in the fall, right? So there are three different times that the first rains come. There's Yorah and there's Malkosh, the early rains and the late rains. You might remember this from Masechah's Tainus. And this is very relevant because when do you start fasting? if the rain doesn't come. So there's a whole discussion and dispute in Masechah's Tainus. But basically, the first rains are divided into three different times, early, middle, and late. So what's going on here is that when you're saying the rains, we assume you're, you're referring to the second rainfall. In other words, the, when the second rains have come. 
No, when you say until the rains, you don't mean until the literal rain actually falls. It just is referring to the time of the second rainfall, even if the rain did not fall. In other words, a person is not assuming, a person is not going to make his nether to an uncertain time. So if it's actually the rain falling, oh, certain times there's drought, certain times there's conditions and it doesn't rain. So rather he means, according to Rabbi Gamliel, he means the time when generally the second rain comes. If somebody says something is also until the rains end. So what is the end of the rainy season? So according to Rameer, it's until the whole month of Nisan is over. Until the whole month of Nisan, it's still considered the time of rain. It's only until after Pesach. He says that, 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 that this, the Chash of rain stop right after Pesach. You know, it's interesting. The Gemara, the Gemara notes that in Mesach's Tainus that we stop saying not by the end of Pesach, by the first day of Pesach. So the Gemara notes that it's taka a different view. You know, that it sounds like Rabbi Yudah here is saying Pesach, but there's another view within Rabbi Yudah that it's actually right after the first day of Pesach is when, when this man of the rain is, stops. Okay. So we were talking about how the stop harvest is the wheat harvest, but then the Mishnah qualified that, by the way, it depends where you are. So Tanya says in a price of someone who says, I mean, the nether should be enforced until the harvest. So if he was in the Galil, the Galil was in, was in the mountains. It's the north of Israel a little bit. So therefore, the start of the harvest is later. The Yarad Amakim, but but after he made the nether, then he moved and he went to the valleys. Even though the harvest started in the new place where he is, it started earlier in the valleys. Aser, he remains Aser. Until the harvest begins in the Galil. And the Chiddush is that even though he moved, but you go after the place where he made the nether, where he said the nether originally, and since he originally said the nether, he was in the mountains, which has the later harvest, the, the, the earlier harvest, rather. I'm sorry. The later harvest, so you go after that point, the later harvest. Okay. Um, all right, fine, we'll stop here for today.